0: I'm George Abernathy, the proud president of FreightWaves. It's great to be on Fuller Speed Ahead. As always, thank you to Craig Fuller for allowing me to sit in the Fuller Speed Ahead chair. Particularly today, I'm really genuinely pleased to be able to spend some time today with Omar Singh. Many of you who have the opportunity to um, spend some time with FreightWaves TV may have had the opportunity to, to see Omar, but today we're really gonna dig into what makes Omar and what makes surge transportation tick. So Omar, thanks for coming to Chattanooga and doing this with us. Thanks this is for fabulous. having me. Thanks for having me, George. This is terrific. Yeah. So, so let me start out with a little bit of background. I'll, I'll let Omar talk a little bit about it. But I think some of the things that you may have heard um, with regards to, to Omar are really so telling about his story. He is a teacher by, by training, but he's a trucker by trade. And boy, does that set him up well to to do the things that that he's done. So Omar, tell us a little bit about the the background story, um, many of those things that had occurred through your life, the trucking company that you started, and by 2010 had, had, had gone away. And then we'll work our way into how that plays into the really remarkable story that is Surge Transportation today.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I just... um, you know My first job out of high school was moving furniture. And so my boss at the time was an old global van lines over the road driver and just kind of took me in under his wing. And um, I started furniture initially because I just kind of wanted something physical to do. I was also an athlete and I thought it would be kind of lend into not being in the gym, carrying heavy things upstairs. And um, really, very quickly, that very first summer, my boss... Um, had me driving pack vans and then straight trucks. Then very shortly thereafter driving tractor trailers and, um, you know, stayed in it ever since one way, one way or another, it became my means of paying for college. You know, we worked very long weeks during the summertime and I made enough money, you know, working 90, hundred hours a week on the clock to pay for the, the whole year of college. Um, so we ended up doing that we did night moves, weekend moves during the college year. And then during the summer, it was just nothing but work. Um, and then, uh, after I finished undergraduate, I started teaching in California as a speech therapist for a little while. And, um, and then got into driving sleeper trucks out there on the weekends. And so we were, I'd run down from San Francisco Bay area to San Diego back for the, um, it was an Atlas agent at the time we worked with, had terminals in Long Beach and, um, San Diego and San Jose. So I was just running weekends and having the time of my life getting to see the West Coast driving sleepers, and really just couldn't get trucking out of me. I just liked it more and more all the time. So um, went to graduate school after a year of teaching and um, then didn't do anything. I'd saved up enough money driving on the West Coast. that Very favorable at the time for employees. Hourly, compensation, time and a half, double time on Sundays, right? It could really save a lot of money. And um, bought a little condo in uh, Arlington, Virginia to go to Georgetown for graduate school. And, um, did nothing but study for a couple of years, had enough money, saved up and then thought I was going to be a, a poor teacher in, in the long run, but I really wanted to see the country. So I decided to buy my first truck. I finished graduate school right before the housing boom. I got that condo. So sold the condo, used all the, the profits to buy my first truck. And, um, was an owner operator for two and a half years, drove over the road. That same company had a terminal. They had an AOL relocation um, package. So all I did was move people from West Coast to the East Coast. Right. So AOL has offices in Virginia, close to where I lived yeah. already. So we just moved uh, East to West Coast for two years. And um, then at that time, teaching was a little bit kind of out of my blood, or at least out of my scope. So all of my friends were drivers. I was, I was doing well as a driver and decided be a good idea to start a trucking company. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I got a couple of my buddies together, bought our first couple of trucks, or at least I bought my first couple of trucks. And, um, and it was a different experience, uh, being a company owner, Mm -hmm. right? Than being a driver. So driving was, it was a lot of fun to me. It was a lot of seeing the country. It was a lot of visiting friends along the way. And being a company owner was a little different. I wasn't trained in business, right? I wasn't trained in accounting. I wasn't, you know, I'm trained in English. So um, so it was a very different experience and became a little more challenging than I had expected. It was still fun. I could still see the scale. It was mostly broker freight for the first year and a half or two years. And then we were 100% customer direct after that. But, you know, the economy was still what it was going into the recession. Um, when I bought my first truck, diesel fuel was still under a dollar in certain parts of the country, right? When we went out of business, it was over five dollars. You know, so um, over the course of those seven years, it built up to thirty trucks, hundred trailers, and um, learned a lot about EDI, learned a lot about TMSs, learned a lot about you know government compliance, learned a lot about you know of course payroll issues, which you know we'll talk about. Um, and I think that's really helped to develop the surge model and build it. You know, learning about selling on price, but also having the experience of managing TMS integrations and EDI and all of that. So that was, um, it was a really big learning experience, but it was a tough learning experience too. You know, most uh, medium-sized trucking companies went out of business in 2008, small, and um, I was determined to make it, right? And to be stronger than the recession. And so we just kind of bled out and I kept on taking family money um, to, you know, also the housing market was favorable in those years. so we had been losing money, but we were flipping houses and putting all of the money back into the trucking company. And then when that ended, kind of started taking family money and um, just bled everybody out, really bled myself out, bled, you know, at the time, my wife and kids out, bled my father out, bled my mother out. And um, at the end of 2010, we we're just bankrupt, you know, yep. and closed. So
0: so So, so let's talk <clears throat> a little bit about those things, right at that time frame, that were impacting you. You mentioned one around payroll, learning a lot mm-hmm. about payroll taxes. But you also talk about learning about TMSs, learning about, you know, going from uh, sort of brokerage spot freight to customer contract freight. Things that are today serving you and surge really well, but had to be in certain circumstances. a a real, a real challenge for you and, and how that has, has evolved even today. Do you want to speak to sort of how that issue that, that, you know, within the payroll stuff happened then, and you're not letting it hold you back today? Yeah. I mean, I think that's
1: one of the hardest stories that uh, is part of the narrative, not just of, of myself, but also of surge transportation and kind of what was born of the experience of going out of business by selling on price and trying to be the cheapest. And you sort of feel great when customers will give you as much freight as you want, but if it's negative margin freight or it's losing, you know, as a small company, when we were kind of weaning off of brokers and going customer direct, it was very much, uh, well, I'll let you in if you can be cheaper than the next guy, right? And so that's not really a sustainable business model to always say, yes, I can do it for less but you think I can work harder, I can find a way to get it done, right? I mean, even when I was coming up moving furniture, we didn't make a lot per hour, but we worked a lot of hours. Right. So you kind of right. think, well, if I work, if I work really hard, maybe I can make it work at this lower rate per mile. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually just started saying, we need to cut, we need to cut, we need to cut, right? At any expenses we can. And the whole time i had the trucking company up until 2010, we outsourced payroll, right. because I didn't know anything about it, right? And then at that time, 2010 had about 70 employees between drivers and office and part time. Nice yeah, and um, and so we were spending quite a bit on outsourcing. And we um, said, so okay, we got to cut cut expenses. Let's just what can we cut this week? So now let's stop outsourcing payroll. Let's bring it in house and kind of figure out how to do it. Right. Um, and not only did I not know how to do it well, but we were we were bleeding out. We were going out of business. So it seemed like every week a engine was blowing up or something. Right. right? So we escrow the payroll taxes, and then I wasn't paying them on time because I just said, well, I was sending partial payments, right? So, well, an engine blew up. Next week, an engine won't blow up. Next month, an engine right. won't blow up, and, sure. I, and, I, and I'll owe the money, and, and then I'll pay it back. And it wasn't a lot, but um, in terms of the dollar amount, amount every week, but every time I did that, it was a crime. And so it was embezzlement because it, it's the state's money that you escrow, and you have to pay them on time. And... Um, so the state came after me pretty hard after the trucking company closed. Um, they, I was on their radar anyway from, we were always arguing about property taxes on trucks and value of you know the company and everything. So um, they came after me pretty hard and I got um, charged with, later they dropped, but at the time right. it was extremely uh, stressful situation. I got charged with a hundred years in jail wow. for um, 13 felonies of, of embezzlement of right. the state's money. And um, and then had to find a way to recover, right? So the trucking company had closed at the end of 2010, and, and we we bled out. We were we were done. And at that point, the company was bankrupt. I uh, was personally in foreclosure, um, facing losing the house. Now sentenced to 100 years in jail, somewhat unemployable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because um, you know there was just kind of almost almost no recovery other than to hire myself, right, right? because because right. right. I wanted a job. But at that point, I couldn't get one. Like, I couldn't even get a moving furniture job because no one would let you into somebody's house thinking, right. you know, you're a felon. I couldn't really drive trucks because I didn't have local experience. And then I wasn't allowed out of the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. I couldn't teach because no school would let me within miles of a, of a child, mm-hmm. right? So it was kind of um, a very almost impossible situation at that time. Um, and then of course, given all of those pressures of foreclosures, of not being able to afford, I was still trying to sell on price. I had just gotten into brokerage right. when I lost right. the trucks, try to preserve the customer relationships that I had, but selling on price still wasn't working for me. So it was just very little money. Um, and then my, my wife ended up leaving, you know, as we were trying to figure out how to come up with money. She hadn't worked for 10 years and, um, Helped her kind of restart her teaching career by just going out and knocking on the school doors and saying, "Hey, look, we applied. We just need to get noticed." And um, eventually, she got noticed and uh, came home and said that she was leaving. It was just—it was too much pressure. And um, and I get it. You know, it was—it was a lot of pressure for everybody. And I will say, you know, I can't really blame people for how they behave in a situation that they just weren't prepared to deal with, right? And she just wasn't prepared to deal with it and thought the best option was, was to take off. Yeah. And, um, so that was an extremely difficult moment for me. I didn't really know if I'd be able to recover or what to do, you know, and you start thinking kind of crazy thoughts because there's so much debt and how are my kids going to survive and how are my parents going to survive? And like, literally you start thinking you're worth more dead than alive, right? Is it like just dangerous thoughts because I had life insurance. So, um, but eventually, you know, kind of cry it out for a few days and realize, you know, think you're going to die of a broken heart or think of, you know, all of these bad thoughts that involve being worth more dead than alive. And so now I got to, I got to find a way to kind of make this work right and get up and um and give it another go as a business owner. Right. I, I knew I had to kind of hire myself. That's and, when you hired and, yourself. Yeah, right, right. Yeah.
0: And then and, and it's not as easy to hire yourself as one might think that it is having gone through all of that. But just just in listening and and knowing your story, so many of those things that you learned and just commented on um, are critical to how surge is thriving today. The, you know, you can't do it on uh, so much freight without making any margin, right? right? Now there may be companies out there that have the opportunity to take negative margin freight because of unlimited what appears to be unlimited private equity and financing but you've never had the opportunity to really put surge into that kind of kind of position and that that the other learnings the working with the tmss it's it's, it's a it's a fascinating tale and story so many entrepreneurs that I've had the pleasure of working with and talking to, start driving the truck. For, right. But the that this time frame that you're talking about, that's that's beyond a rough patch. Yeah, that, 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 it's, that, it's hard. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But the learnings that you're putting into action today are remarkable. So so let's go post the that and how surge you know moved into and how did it get to become a profitable digital brokerage than it is today well i
1: think that that's it so before it was surge it was surges business model that i was able to develop so kind of we're halfway through 2011 i had been trying to broker for um 11 no eight months at that point i had been trying to broker and just wasn't able to really make any um profit at all so right. I said, well, what am i doing wrong that maybe i can do better how can I just bring a different kind of value to the customers? And it really was the birth of the strategy. I wrote an article recently about seven kind of pillars of strategic partnership with customers. Now, at that time, it was six. But rather than competing for primary, I said, why don't I do the hard work, which is kind of what I've always done in life, right? Like carry heavy stuff upstairs in order to pay for college. Like not a lot of people want to do that. It's really hard work. Do it 100 hours a week. That's really hard work. So what can I do in freight that's just, it's really... Difficult, but maybe there's an opportunity there, and so we started going after temporary business, so I call there's primary and then backup, which is loading static, and this was our business model for a long time, loading published static backup rates for when primaries aren't able to get to the you know their awards um, and then temporary, which I say is um, a blip that you didn't expect a hurricane, earthquake, wildfires. Um, ports, not being able to unload the container ships, right? Um, anything that's kind of unexpected and lasts maybe 30 days. Mm-hmm. And then seasonal, which I say is you know 90 to 100 days. Um, and then now I call it strategic um, API um, backup. But, but at the time, that didn't exist. So it was just kind of spot loads and then expedite. So it kind of said... Let me start going to all of my customers and saying, what's really difficult here that your primaries can't do? And how can I get involved there and then deliver on service? And
0: think about them falling into those different Mm -hmm. categorization because Mm -hmm. we oftentimes so simply go contract spot, but not every, and and very differently, not every spot load is created the same. And as you've described, there's a very different um, service requirement, service requirements for those different uh, those different pieces. So right. how, did, how did you evolve to what you're what you're providing today that is working so well?
1: Well, it started working immediately. Yeah. When I started going and asking for the hard stuff, so it was like moving furniture or it's like playing, you know, I'm a I'm a boxer by, you know, my sport, right. it's, you know, right. just difficult things to do, right? So moving furniture and also in academics, right? Went to pretty noteworthy schools and it's, and it's a lot of hard work to yeah. study yeah. to study hard enough and do well enough to get into to elite you know, schools so no, I'm no stranger to hard work. So I started going them and saying, what's the hardest stuff that you have in your network? If it's an expedite where I have to stay up late at night, if it's just a backup, if it's season was temporary. And really, it just started working right away when they changed the dynamic from, let's call Omar and ask him to be the cheapest person that we've ever worked with, to let's call him and ask him to be the best person that we've ever worked with. And just immediately became profitable. And just year over year, really was able to grow the revenue. And I I spent five years, six years as, um, as an agent for some of the national firms with that model of saying, we're going to go after the really hard stuff and year over year growth, year over year, consistently seeing that that model worked is when we said, okay, I think we need to really take this to market as an independent company rather than continuing to sell just for the national firms. And, um, and so essentially we became a startup at the end of 2016, we, you know, we opened the end of 2016. And then I always say 16 to 18, or really 16 and 17 were like proof of concept years. Because mm-hmm. I knew the model worked, but I didn't know if motor carriers were gonna take our freight because we we're a new brokerage. Right. I right. didn't know if the large enterprise level accounts that this model resonates with, we're gonna actually get under contract with a brand new, small, unrecognizable right. Right.
0: company. Without, without that-
1: Brand right. name above the C D. Right. To, yeah, absolutely. right. Yep. Didn't know if factoring companies were going to give us credit, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Um, I never declared personal bankruptcy when the trucking company closed. So, you know, as we that model started generating profits, it paid down, you know, lots of debts. And I think if I had done that, maybe factoring companies wouldn't have given us credit, right? So so are those companies going to give us credit? And, you know, am I going to be able to get a commercial lease? Uh, I mean, just all of these what ifs, Right. And so by the end of 17, 18, I started saying, okay, this, this can work, not just from a model side, but from an execution standpoint, right? So then we really launched into branding and marketing, made big leaps with uh, trying to develop a national sales team. And really it was kind of, um, got one guy in July of 18, Matt, and, you know, he and I did probably 250 in-person customer visits in 2019, Mm -hmm. Um, started speaking at conferences and really just investing everything that we were making back into the company. Never taken anything out of surge. There's just like a 100% reinvestment of the profits to say, you know, let's go after all of these big events and get our name out there and get this strategy out there. Because now 10 years in, like, I know this strategy works. I know it works. And it resonates with at least enterprise level shippers who have hundreds of thousands of loads a year. That now you know you're looking at twenty percent, twenty-five percent tender right. rejection exactly. rate. So yep. million loads a year, you got two hundred fifty thousand problems, right? So the model resonates and works. And then um, I think the biggest thing that was now what I would say is the future of the company is in twenty nineteen. We got the opportunity to really start the digital transformation. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was speaking at C S C M P, and the customer of ours at the time already but very transactional and um, the transportation manager was in the room and they offered us the opportunity after he heard us speak to join their kind of dynamic rate tree, which is getting involved in the API world and um, had to hire a tech company, find a tech company that could help us do that and then integrate a pricing tool with, you know, the ability to push every two minutes, you know, up to thousands of loads and rates. So to integrate with benchmarking tools to develop our own algorithm right. that essentially um, my, my wife wrote the, wrote the code for, but so we had been using this algorithm for bidding on spreadsheets. And then we had to essentially, she wrote the code for that on spreadsheets. And then we had to get that into code for APIs, integrate with all the tools and then start kind of taking that to market. Um, and that digital transformation opportunity We started it in 19, really went live in 20. um, Has been, I think, it's creating the future for Surge to really continue getting out there and developing TMS relationships. Um, So initially, we had some, one customer, one integration, one customer, right? Which was the first opportunity. And then second opportunity was one integration, one customer needs to take a long time to build. They had on-prem systems. And then about halfway through the year, so why don't we just work with the TMSs directly? And it's a little bit more necessary for those to be cloud-based, but a lot of them sure. have, have cloud and, and on-prem systems. So we became partners with Blue Yonder, with Blue Jay, with Mercury Gate, with Oracle, with Cubics, And now, um, you know, the market changes that occurred as a result of COVID, you know, the timing, the timing was favorable, right? So, um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of, that opportunity and going after that hard freight is also the the amount of pressure to execute and to do the hard stuff is there. And I think that may be one of my, my greater strengths is like getting dirty, waking up early, right? Staying late, doing the expedites, working weekends, our office is 24 seven. It's hard work. Not a lot of people want to do it. Right. Everybody in the company works on Saturdays. Lots of people in the company work on Sundays. Uh, I can be, caught in the operation every single day of the week at some point or another. Um, so it's hard work and we have to deliver. That means what we sell on. Mm-hmm. And if we don't deliver on what we sell on, then, you know, it, it, can, it all goes away, right? So there's a lot of pressure um, in the company. There's right. a lot of pressure in that atmosphere,
0: right? So so let's talk about that in that atmosphere because we have, uh, you know, obviously someone who's so driven, so driven to lead. Um, and. We've got a an economy that has bounced back and there's um, essentially as many available jobs as there are unemployed people, if you, you go by the macro numbers or I listen to what Anthony Smith tells me. But you're trying to recruit folks into that pressure-driven environment and the the rewards you've, you've demonstrated yourself that whether it be working for to get double time on a Sunday or, you know, a bigger margin on a particular load, how is that resonating now? How's the, how's the recruiting going? I mean, it's, it's obvious that, you know, and people get inspired to go to work for companies that are growing, that they're led by dynamic people. How is, how is the recruiting going and the expansion of surge going?
1: It's, well, I would say great, but like anything, it's it's challenging, right? right? I mean, so our legacy office is Jacksonville, Florida. And for a while, uh, I had my eyes on Chicago just because there's so much oh, of yeah. the industry talent yeah. that's yeah. just located there. So we opened, um, we, op- we signed a lease in February of 20 to open an office um, downtown Chicago in March of 20. And so we were just getting all of the IT systems put in. March of 20, COVID hit and kind of said, yep. okay, no, yeah, nobody can move in, right? So how do we hire 100 people now that the nation is shelter in place? Because I think in our operation or in lots of operations, I think work from home, um, it's, it's okay maybe for people who are established in your company, right. know the company right. well, Great right? Point. Yeah, but hiring for work from home in the operation, I think, is near impossible for our model. Um, So, so in May of 20, we just said, we're just, we're just growing too quickly. I need to, you know, put people in the office and we started hiring downtown Chicago, May of 20. There was a little bit of just take whoever we can get and let's figure it out. There was some of that because not everybody was willing to go into a downtown office and, you know, in May of 20. Um, But eventually we got, you know, 60 people um, that summer and then, kind of was hitting a little bit of a stance it was hard to get more than that the office that we opened there is large enough for 120 but it was hard so then um you know we started offshoring so now we have we have 70 people in the philippines 60 people in medellin south america um probably continuing to grow that we're reopening the jacksonville office so that one um kind of was hit really hard with florida being a covid hot spot yeah. right and I think that team saw some of the investments we were making elsewhere and some of them left. So that team actually got smaller during COVID, but we're, we're reopening now and yeah. getting newer, larger space and going to kind of start a real strong push. To- Jack-
0: Jacksonville, you talk about Chicago, which is sort of the epicenter for, you know, so many uh, transportation companies, brokerages and the like. But Jacksonville's got a pretty good heritage down there as well for uh, a number of uh really significant brokerages. So that, that talent, you know, available talent that, you know, you seek in Chicago. I think, I think that Jacksonville has that same kind of, uh, that, that kind it, of opportunity. It's both, they're both great. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. both
1: great logistics cities. I mean, Jacksonville of course has the port yep. and they have CSX, yep. which brings trucking, which brings yeah. brokerage. So there's a lot of talent and, um, the colleges down there have supply chain degree programs. So yeah. people want to work in supply chain in Jacksonville. So that's been a great city, you Absolutely. know? Um, so it's our legacy city. It's not long, no longer our largest office, mm-hmm. but it's our legacy office and, you know, happy to be reopening that. Interesting. You know?
0: yeah. So, so as you, as you think about this going in the future now, um, and, and so much that's been constructed, uh, 200 ish million dollar run rate run now, mm-hmm. um, with no private equity, I mean, you bootstrap this. It's uh, it's um, profitable. Has to be if you're not taking any PE money. So, you know, let's assume that the pandemic we can see. Maybe hopefully we won't go to beyond Delta to Lambda and Omega and any other of these variants. Right. I don't want to go through the entire Greek alphabet, right. right? But where where do you see Surge's future really being able to 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 make a difference? Is it is is the acceptance by an even broader amount of those enterprise customers because as you know you mentioned the amount of tender rejections that are happening right now the the good news for surge is variability is the way of life we're going to have ups and downs and there's always going to be exceptions and it seems to be you know obviously surge is bread and butter so where do you see surge's future both from a growth, and a technology standpoint? Well, first of all, I'm having fun, right? right. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. Yeah, I'm having After a lot of fun. After what you've gone through, yeah, yeah, we're glad. Yeah, That's yeah, a good thing. Yeah, we really are. Yeah,
1: I'm having a lot of fun. So, I mean, I th- as you know from this story, right, the, the initial, the original objective has always just been survival, right? Yep. Survival, sure. recovery, and not sort of initially take this industry by storm. Yeah. But now it's it's a lot of fun. And I think that I would I would love to see us continuing to be able to provide good jobs for working people, you know, and their families, different opportunities for people overseas, and serve a need that this industry has, which is to cover the things that, you know, primaries can't. I mean, I'm I'm a firm believer, I speak on freight waves all the time, saying primaries should be motor carriers. And brokers should do the things that they're not able to get to mm-hmm. for one reason or another, right? In terms of winning primary sure. business. Um, so I think that the opportunities were just kind of at the tip of the iceberg in terms of the number of shippers that we build, in terms of the TMS integrations. And I hope that this strategy continues to resonate and and it makes a difference for shippers and at the end of the day, consumers, right? Yeah. Because at the end, of the, they're the ones selling to consumers. Um, and so if we can continue growing and providing just jobs and a high level of service through just sheer gritty hard work, then uh, I'll be happy and if if that means we go to three hundred or a billion right. you know then then great but but it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of hard work yeah. so I've always enjoyed it so
0: that. I, you won't necessarily go down and i'll and I'll, I'll end this and you're you are one of our uh, industries great thinkers you're willing to write articles, have an opinion, take a stance I'm really interested as as you see so much activity, so much money coming into this, this area, whether, you know, large brokerages are being taken private by private equity, or others are being acquired by large uh, companies that are backed by private equity. There's a lot of money that's out there and available. And I'm sure that it's a great thing that doors are open to you now that may not have that not have been opened. Um, are we putting that money to good use are we are we doing all the, the right things with that because you know if you've got essentially unlimited funding versus i'm having to do this to make a profit to make you know all of those people who are employed by me happy because their paychecks clear every 15 days tell me tell me what you think the future looks like within the industry or, or, you know are we just seeing the beginning of all of this you know, massive transportation and logistics money coming our way. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, it scares me, to be honest with you. Um, I I keep on thinking the well is going to run dry at some point for negative margin, right? We have, we have a lot of really big name national digital brokerages that are not profitable. And I think that they're not profitable from a strategic standpoint of, of, trying to always do it for less. I tried to do that as a motor carrier. It didn't work out. Right. Well, you're go going after and share, share. Yeah. Yeah. right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll figure it out. R- right, at
1: some point. And
0: then I
1: think there's a strategy. There's a, not to belabor it, but there's a B2B component of brokerage that's different than B2C, mm-hmm. which sure. is which is how the digital guys started, right? And that doesn't exist in B2B. So things are more consequential in business-to-business business than they are in, you know... Um, how the digital, uh, ride shares started. Right. Um, and so I think it runs out, but I'm never ceases to amaze me how much money keeps on pouring in. So, so I wish I had a crystal ball there. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't put my, my, um, investments in companies that are losing money year over year, uh, to the tune of, you know, very large amounts. Um, so I don't invest in them. Um I believe in traditional business model of of making a profit right and and I know what happens when you don 't um mm-hmm. the hard way so so i I always like to see people win right and if they if they win then great, but I also like to see our industry win yeah. and there are a lot of small brokerages that are out there doing the same thing we 're doing every day you know they 're working hard and they 're making a profit um one of the last appearances as I said when I first Open Surge, there were 16,000 brokerages. Now they're 24. Right. I like to see those guys win too, right? I like to see them do well. And right. I'm happy carriers are doing well. Carriers are making a lot of money, you know? So um, so that's good. And if the digital guys make it uh, on this model of negative margin, then then good for them, you know? But
0: yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've got to land the plane, as we like to say. This was really terrific. Uh, congratulations for all the success at Surge. Uh, as you're... A um, reopening Jacksonville and, and the offices that Serge has. Um, I, I know that there's probably going to be a number of resumes coming your guys' way. I hope so out of our conversation because um, it, it's the, dy- the dynamism that you're bringing to the business, the leadership, not only within your business, within the industry is really compelling. And it's very much appreciated, Omar, that, uh, that you've sat down with us and Made it all the way to Chattanooga to do so. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you for
1: having me. You know, kind I one last message, you know, to the industry. You know, Serge is working really hard to do something, I think, that's kind of unusual. And I'm asking for everybody's help. So if you're a motor carrier and you want to partner with someone who used to be a driver and a motor carrier as well, then please, we need your trucks, you know, logisticians. You know, we need your minds. We're hiring in all cities, you know, where we're located. And then, of course, shippers, if you know, there's anything that's resonated about our business model and experience that makes you think that we would be a good provider to you and a valuable partner in your network, then you know, please accept our call when, it, when, when you receive it. Or if you see us at conferences, you'd know, be happy to, uh, to meet and discuss opportunities.
0: Absolutely so, fabulous. Omar, yeah. thank you so much. So that's, that was Omar Singh, who's the founder and president of Surge Transportation. What a great story. Uh, what a wonderful story about the industry and where where he's come from, where he's brought this business and where he's going. It's really been terrific to have you here today. Thanks for doing this. I'm George Abernathy, the proud president of Freightways sitting in for Craig Fuller on Fuller Speed Ahead. Thank you to Craig for letting me do this. I hope everybody has a fabulous day. Take care.